0: Hey there, GPSers, and welcome back to another edition of the GPS Podcast where all of your podcast dreams come true. I hope you are doing well today, whenever and wherever you are listening to this. I am hoping that you are navigating these very strange times as well as possible, and I am grateful for you listening in and staying connected in this way through this podcast. And if this isn't your particular way that you are staying connected on a regular basis. I hope that you are finding one of our different options with church a good place for you to connect, whether it's online worship, whether it's this podcast, whether it is a on-campus gathering. We are just hoping that you are staying connected to the life of our church in some way. This series that we have been moving through is called Nine a Day, Feasting on the Fruit of the Spirit. And what we're doing in this series is we're focusing on the list of virtues and traits that Paul gives in Galatians chapter 5 that describes a life in the Spirit, what a fruitful life looks like when you are grounded and rooted in the life and Spirit of God. And we are almost through that whole list. We actually only have a couple left, and today we are going to be looking at the thing that Paul calls gentleness, that virtue of gentleness. And the way that I want to talk about this virtue this week is through a passage in James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. James writes these words, starting in verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Show by your good life that your works are done with gentleness born of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not be boastful and false to the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, devilish. For where there is envy and selfish ambition, there will also be disorder and wickedness of every kind. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace for those who make peace. The summer after my sophomore year of college, I made friends with an individual whose family owned a lake house. So during that summer, we took a few trips out to that house, and going there was a new experience for me because... Growing up, the closest thing my family had to living on a lake was one of those bright blue plastic pools that you set in your backyard. Later, we did upgrade to an above ground, but still the world of pool life and the world of lake life, I would come to find out that summer, are very different kinds of lives. That summer, I was introduced to all kinds of things that are involved with lake life. But my favorite thing I was introduced to was the experience of tubing. Tubing is an activity where you lay down on a large inner tube while a boat pulls you along the surface of the water. And one of the important lessons that tubing taught me that summer was that when you are on the boat or on the inner tube, you have to pay attention to the other boats on the water because they can impact your experience. In fact, there is an important word that is often used to describe the impact of other boats, the wake of the boat. The wake of a boat is the ripple effect of a boat. A wake is what happens behind and around a boat as it moves through the water. When you are on the lake, you have to pay attention to the wake of other boats. If you are trying to move through the water without paying attention to other wakes, then you can get yourselves into all kinds of choppy water that will leave you in a mess. I know from experience. (laughs) But what is critical about being on a boat is not just realizing that other boats have a wake that can impact your movement, but a really good boater will also realize that they leave a wake. One of the steps towards becoming a good boater is not just learning to navigate the wake of others, but also to realize that you leave a wake by the way you navigate through the water. Growing in awareness of the wake you leave is one of the ways you grow into being a good boater. And I would contend that a similar principle holds true for the life of faith, that one of the steps towards growth into a mature person of faith is realizing you leave a wake with your life. You leave a ripple effect all around, depending on how you navigate through the waters of life. And growing in awareness of that wake is one of the ways that you grow as a disciple of Jesus. This self-awareness is a critical part of becoming a disciple. Sometimes we don't think of self-awareness as a developed skill of a disciple, but there is a deep and needed place for self-reflection in the journey of discipleship. Because a Central question in the journey of, this, of discipleship is the question, who am I becoming? Or, to use an example related to the one that I just gave, what kind of wake am I leaving? There needs to be this element of transformation in our lives, in the life of the discipleship. And so, we should ask that question regularly, who am I becoming? What kind of wake am I leaving? What is the ripple effect of my life? And that's why wrestling with the fruit of the Spirit is such an important series for us to move through, because these virtues and traits should be a part of the wake that we try to leave. The hope and the aim of us wrestling with this different fruit of the Spirit list is that we can get these glimpses and get these pictures of the kinds of people we're called to be and the kinds of wake that we are called to leave. The conversations around these different fruits is not just intended to be a conversation piece, but a conversion piece. We are called to be men and women who produce this fruit in our life. And so we are asking this question in the background throughout this series. Who am I becoming? What kind of wake am I leaving? So that we can strive to live a particular kind of life in our world. We're called to leave a ripple effect with our lives so that when people see us navigating the waters of life, they will see in us and experience all around us a different kind of spirit and life? Who am I becoming? What kind of wake am I leaving? And this question is especially helpful for our topic today, gentleness. And I intentionally picked this passage in James because he gives a needed and unique perspective to this trait. This is what he writes, Who is wise and understanding among you? Show by your good life that your works are done with gentleness born of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not be boastful and false to the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, devilish. For where there is envy and selfish ambition, there will also be disorder and wickedness of every kind. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield full of mercy and good fruits without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace for those who make peace. In this passage, James holds up for us two paths that we can take with our lives. And he gives us insight into the kind of wake that each of these paths will leave around us. The first path or first way of life we can follow as we navigate the waters of life is the path of godly wisdom from above. And this good life, James tells us, is one of good works that are done with gentleness born of wisdom. In other words, when we have the wisdom of God guiding our lives, what will be birthed in us will be good works shaped by gentleness. The first word that James uses here to describe this godly life is the word gentleness. Gentleness is a very significant word for James to use because this is a word that communicates the notion of humility, courtesy, being considerate. And later in the same passage, James will further describe this way of gentleness by clustering together a variety of words to further enhance the picture of this way of life he later uses words like peaceable willing to yield full of mercy showing no partiality or hypocrisy significant about all of these words is that they all draw attention to our impact on others the wake we leave. James knows that the life shaped by wisdom from above will always, always have an impact on those around us. The question is never if we will leave awake, but what kind of wake will we leave? And James calls us to a wake of gentleness. But what is important to note is James is not the only person to call us to this way of life. Because this word used for gentleness will get used 10 more times throughout the New Testament. Both Peter and Paul will also use this word to describe the kind of life that we are called to live. And maybe most significant about the use of this word is that Peter, Paul James are not the first to use it. The person to first use the root form of this word is Jesus himself. In one of the most famous invitations in all of scripture, Jesus says these words in Matthew 11, "'Come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest.'" Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. James, along with Peter and Paul, calls Christians to the way and wake of gentleness because he knows it reflects the way and wake of Jesus. The way of Jesus is the way of gentleness. It is the way of humility. It is the way of courtesy. It is the way of being considerate. It is the way that we are called to live and the wake that we are called to leave behind. We are called to walk through the world leaving a wake of gentleness wherever we go. But what is equally as important is not just paying attention to the path that James calls us to and the gentleness involved, but we also need to pay attention to the alternative path, the other path James describes in this passage, because it is in paying attention to that opposite path that we get further insight into gentleness, Immediately after, James calls us to this godly wisdom, good works in gentleness. He then holds up an opposing path of wisdom that he calls ungodly. And he uses two key phrases to describe this unspiritual and ungodly path of life. He says this false path will be characterized by bitter envy, And selfish ambition, jealousy, and selfishness. He describes a person completely turned in on themselves, selfish ambition, and even when they interact with others, there is still a spirit of envy and jealousy about them. Things are still all about them. They have no regard for anyone around them because they are filled with pride and selfishness. And if you've been around someone like this wake that James describes, what he says next will not surprise you. He says that wherever this path of life goes, this envious and selfish path, then the result, the wake, will be disorder and wickedness. A selfish person leaves a wake of chaos and disorder. This person is is like a boat moving through the water that only cares about themselves and where they are going. So all they leave behind and around them are choppy and chaotic waters. Or, if you are not a boat person, then imagine a car driving down the road driven by the most self-centered person you can imagine. That person becomes quite dangerous and aggressive quite quickly, whether it's on the open road or on the open water. And the same is true for those who navigate through life with that same self-centered spirit. They move through life like a bull in a china shop, never considering those around them. There's no gentleness around this kind of person. There's only chaos and disorder. There is no gentleness around this kind of person. There is only violence and aggression. And I intentionally use the words violence and aggression because those are popular ways of living in our world today. We have normalized violence and aggression but these ways of being in the world take us far away from the way of gentleness and peace. Sometimes it's it's easy to spot. For example, we, we sometimes will talk about workplaces and how certain workplaces are, and I quote, cutthroat environments. And then... We end up in those environments, and what happens? We are tempted to behave and act in ways that are far from gentle and peaceful because we are doing whatever it takes to get ahead. Whatever it takes. And I'm sure that you can think of more examples of where violence and aggression are normalized today. But sometimes these violent and aggressive ways are more subtle. They're not as direct. For example, we use phrases like passive-aggressive, which is why I think it's significant that in the passage right before this one, James talks about our speech and how we use our words. Because the words that we use with each other are one of the subtlest ways that we can be aggressive and violent. That slight barb we send someone's way, the quiet gossip we use to tear others down, the false front of, and I quote, brutal honesty, in order to inflict a hurtful word to another's heart. And we now don't just speak words, but we also type words. And so social media can become an avenue for aggression in the cutthroat way or aggression in the passive-aggressive way. And whether it's explicit or it's subtle, at the heart, at the heart of this other way of life, James tells us the result is chaos and disorder. Whether it's easy or difficult to see, at the heart of this path is a way of selfishness. There's no gentleness around this kind of person. There's only chaos and disorder. There is no gentleness around this kind of person. There is only violence and aggression. But such paths, according to James, are the opposite of the ways Christians are called to live. Because they are paths that are shaped by selfishness, pride, and self-centeredness. These false paths of ungodly wisdom, are completely self-centered and not other-centered. And that's the contrast I want us to see in this passage as we think about leaving a wake of gentleness. Because when James talks about gentleness, all of the other phrases he uses to further describe this way of life are ultimately other-centered. Peace, mercy, willing to yield, they are all terms with others inherently in mind because a gentle person keeps others in mind. But when he describes the ungodly path, he describes a person turned in on themselves. He describes a person who is self-centered and selfish. They move through life only concerned about their agenda, their objectives, their well-being. And that distinction That distinction gets us to the opposite and the heart of gentleness. And here's the way I would say it. The opposite of gentleness is self-centeredness and the heart of gentleness is other-centeredness. The opposite of gentleness is self-centeredness and the heart of gentleness is other-centeredness. Gentleness cannot happen when we are only concerned about our own ambitions. Gentleness cannot happen when we see everyone else as competition or comparison. Gentleness cannot happen when we are filled with with bitterness and pride. But gentleness can begin to happen when we consider the lives of those around us. Gentleness can begin to happen when we consider another's perspective. Gentleness can begin to happen when we consider the place in the life of another. A few weeks ago, I was visiting a member at our church, and we were talking about the events that had unfolded in their life over the last few months to leave them in this Difficult predicament with their health. But as they talked, they were not all that interested in keeping the focus on themselves. What they kept talking about was how people had been treating them through the process. First, they talked about their place of work, they talked about how their boss had been to visit and check in how they were working with them while they were away to make things work, and how supportive and gracious they had been with them all along. Second, they talked about this one particular nurse. They talked about how she had treated him a certain way, handled him with care and compassion and gentleness, and how that had made all the difference while he was in such a weak and frail state. And as I was writing the sermon this week, I was struck by his reflection on gentleness. My mind went back to the words that he had said to me because in both of those situations were people in powerful positions in relation to him. They were both examples of people who could have treated him in a variety of ways because of their power. His boss who was in charge of him, and his nurse because of her power in his recovery. Yet each of them chose to use their power in a particular way, the way of gentleness. Gentleness is a choice in how we choose to interact with others and use our power towards them. Gentleness is a decision that we are going to keep the other in full view as we encounter them. We too often misunderstand gentleness as some kind of trait of weakness or ineffectiveness. But gentleness takes real strength, deep connection to God, and a willingness to set aside my interest to keep another person in view, to really see them as we interact with them. And as my friend reminded me, Many, many weeks ago, gentleness leaves a ripple effect of peace and mercy that endures long after we're gone, because we all remember how people treat us, if people treat us with aggression or with gentleness. and So I want to leave with a question, and it's the question that I began with. Who am I becoming? What kind of wake am I leaving? Will I choose to leave a wake of gentleness or not? The choice is up to each of us. And so I want to take that question and I want to zoom in a bit and ask this question Where can I leave a wake of gentleness? Where can I leave a wake of gentleness? And I want to give three ideas as we move into this new week. Idea number one, gentleness with myself. For a lot of us, we we only end up treating others the way we treat ourselves. And for many of us, we are so hard and critical on ourselves that we can never Truly be gentle with others. And when we do try to express gentleness, then it often is really just a false front for aggression. We can easily become passive aggressive. You have to be kind to yourself before you can be truly to others. You have to be gentle with yourself before you can fully be that to others. How can you be gentle with with yourself this week. Number two, gentleness with my inner circle. Some of the first people to fall victim to aggression and violence in our lives are those closest to us. Spouses, kids, our inner circle of friends can can often become easy victims in our lives where we take out aggression. And so we need to take extra effort to be gentle with them because they are the ones most important to us. Gentleness with my inner circle. How can I be gentle with those closest to me? And then a third final idea. Gentleness with strangers. We now live in a world where it is too easy to treat people we do not know as generic or as easy collateral to our aggressiveness. We don't know them so we can easily dispose of them or discount them or disregard them. But getting to know strangers, really putting ourselves in their shoes is a critical group that needs to experience our gentleness. Where can I leave a wake of gentleness? With myself, with my inner circle, with strangers. This way of gentleness is the way of godly wisdom. It's the way of a better life. It's this way that James calls us to. And so this week, my prayer for each of us is that we would find ways that we can leave a wake of gentleness wherever we go. Amen.